0: ever hear of the strategy of tension well you're living it the monica perez show starts now this is monica perez your libertarian voice on news 955 and am 750 wsd every saturday from three to six covering the news of the week from a libertarian perspective but we have breaking news today that uh, I think we should lead with this week. The big story was is North Korea. A lot of tension in North Korea, and I do want to talk about that. I have a obviously a different perspective. If you've ever heard the show before, you know I'm going to tell you stuff uh, that you're not hearing during the week on the uh, glowing box in your living room that's generating that cable news propaganda. But today in Charlottesville, there was a protest. Uh, this is the official story as far as we're hearing about it. Unite the Right uh, is a group that was protesting the removal of a statue of Robert E. Lee. So I, I never heard of this group before, and I don't know what their history is. But the way they're being portrayed, it's basically a, a patchwork of let's just say, for shorthand, white supremacists, or white, maybe it's alt-right, like, however you want to, depending on which side of the spectrum you are, that's how you see this. So these, uh, there were these protests against removing the statue, from what I understand, and then counter-protests. That erupted in clashes. I, I think the latest was that a car ran into some of these protesters. And... The governor declared a state of emergency, uh, uh, and he – and according to the organizer of this event, Jason Kessler, they called it an unlawful assembly even before the event could start, despite the fact that they had a legal permit to be there. So already we have this conflict about um, the law, and to me that's – this kind of clash – it's been happening a lot. I consider them, these clashes that we're seeing, to be, uh, in some cases, orchestrated, and some cases they just trigger people. They lead people to the, the trough. A year ago or, or more, April 2016, there was a, uh, some kind of assembly like this in Stone Mountain. And I remember I had a little more time, and I investigated the guy who organized that, and he seemed like a downright government operative to me. I mean, that, and even people who were close to those kind of uh, movements, like genuine kind of um, white supremacist movements, said this guy seemed not quite right, not genuine. The guy who's organizing, Jason Kessler, who uh, I believe was credited with organizing the Unite the Right rally in Charlottesville, he's, I don't, he doesn't strike me as a government operative, but his, if you go far enough back on his Twitter feed and all that, you find that he's an author and he's a, he, he's a writer and he wants PR. So obviously it's not like he's coming out of the woods, you know, with no shoes on and a rope around his waist and just had to defend the statue of Robert E. Lee. This guy obviously is in it for the media coverage. and uh, and And the counter movements are similar. So we so you have the right and the left at odds. And this is a classic, or maybe not classic, but I think it emerged originally at the end of World War II when people in Europe were leaning communists. There was a, a kind of, uh, even in democratic places, people wanted were considering communism. Communism was actually winning at the ballot boxes in some places. And uh, one thing that the Allies did, I think, was called the leave behind operation it morphed into this operation where there was actually terror attacks false flag terror attacks committed uh it, not by the communists but they were pinned on the communists to get people to think that it was a violent movement and to not vote for them and that was labeled a strategy of tension and that that has morphed over the years into what i see now in, in all this divisiveness and and On the left, there's an organization right now called Indivisible, which leads a lot of these protests and that they call it indivisible. They talk about unity. But for me, it's the opposite. It's kind of a new speak thing. Divisiveness is the word of the day. And the point of it, there is political power in it. It does support the left, right. Uh, two-party psychological operation that keeps us all committed to this democratic system, keeps us all voting for the lesser of two evils, that this polarization does play into that. But one thing that they, but the strategy of tension itself as its own entity, no matter what, whether it's left or right or black or blue or um, anything like that, is it creates the need the desire, the perception for the need of, uh, stronger government of, and this is, uh, it's a, it's a gateway to totalitarianism is this kind of thing. And what it does little by little is it creates a need or perceived need for more policing, for more military style policing, for, um, Pre-crime for monitoring, for surveillance, for listening to your conversations, and specifically, in my observation, what that all requires is is a neutralizing of the Bill of Rights. Uh, amendment by amendment has been in the crosshair, and uh, crosshairs. And uh, and last year, I, I identified towards the end of last year that the amendment that would be in the crosshairs in twenty seventeen would be the First Amendment. And the First Amendment, I always like to read these passages from the Constitution because you don't always know them. It's, uh, Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abridging the freedom of speech or of the press or the right of the people peaceably to assemble and to petition the government for a redress of grievances. So when you see political assemblies like this, especially ones that uh, are extreme and distasteful and go violent, it's very easy to start down that path and say, well, this was not envisioned in the uh, in the civilized society that the founders are talking about. Now, you could go back into the history books and find that it was not uh, – there was a lot of rough and tumble stuff going on back then, but uh, – it, it, it seems to be addressing the realm of normal discourse. So when you start going outside that realm, that's when people start thinking, oh, well, maybe that's not absolute. Maybe we need some some limitations. So this idea of calling it unlawful assembly, is that even really a thing in this country? I mean, granted, the First Amendment talks about Congress, but I think we've been I guess the 14th Amendment kind of brings that stuff all to the local level, you can't abridge these rights even by smaller governments. But this, so, so you see, um, I see this tension as a way to get us. On left and right, both to open our minds to an erosion of the First Amendment specifically. So I'm happy to talk about this um, or North Korea. I'm absolutely happy. I think there are elements of the strategy of tension. The, the purpose of war or fear of war a lot of times is similar is to get a more totalitarian government to allow the government to have more power by keeping the people in fear. So tell me what you think, and I'm going to read some tweets, 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK, or you can tweet at me at Monica Perez Show. Binkley, you are uh, my producer here in studio, and I don't know, do we have any tweets relevant to the Charlottesville events? I did tweet a little bit earlier, so what, what do we got there?
1: I think so. AJ tweets that controlled opposition always gets massive bad publicity. I hope people see now The alt-right is controlled opposition.
0: Oh, yes. I saw that, and I didn't fully understand what he was saying. Now I do. What he's saying is uh, – this quote is attributed to Lenin. I'm not sure if that's uh, for sure, if he really said it. I think he did. That um, the best way to control the opposition is to lead it ourselves, something like that. So if – to me, the opposition used to be the liberty movement – and that was a dedication to the Bill of Rights. And that was something that all Americans could rally around and always had the moral high ground. I feel like what's happened on the right over the past year or two, it's been bubbling up for a while, has been this reversion to a kind of nationalist, populist thing. Um, that in itself smacks of controlled opposition to me, and it neutralizes the right, so the right can crush the liberty movement itself and replace it with this thing, and then, then they no longer have the moral high ground, and uh, and they make legitimate concerns, legitimate pushback on um, the injustices of political correctness and, uh, and all that stuff as seeming fringy. And it does neutralize their effectiveness. I think that's pretty clear. So let's get to some calls. Um, let me take a quick re- break, break 1st 404 872 750 1800 talk You can tweet at me at Monica Perez Show. I want to know, uh, you know, this is breaking news, so you tell me what you think about it, um, if you if you think there are, are longer-term implications, what you think about that, and uh, kind of open mic on this. Um, this is Monica Perez.
2: I'm Judd Hickenbotham. Join us Monday for Atlanta's Morning News with Scott Slade. We'll bring you any overnight developments from North Korea, plus weather and traffic every six minutes on WSP.
0: This is Monica Perez. We're back. It is 84 with scattered clouds outside the studio. I guess my take on Charlottesville really got some people riled up. I just see this as a as a bigger picture. There's stuff going on behind the scenes, but if you think what you see is what you get, give me a call, 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. I am going to go to Dave and Tucker. Hi, Dave. You're on with Monica. Oh, Don't have a lot of time, though, Dave, so... Um, give it to me quick.
3: Okay. Um, did I lose you, I Dave? There's always pressure from the government, uh, to, uh... uh... All
0: right, uh, Alan, I can't hear Dave. I'm going to keep moving. So, thanks, Dave. Hang on, Dave. I'll get you. I'm going to Charles in College Park. Can I hear you, Charles?
4: Yes. Hi, Monica. I, no, I can't.
0: Yeah, hello, right. Monica. Okay, so we will go to, um... We'll take some. <laughs> I'll tell you what I think. I have a little problem here in the call. So what I was saying at the beginning, and let's get this conversation started. Um, you can tweet at me at Monica Perez Show. Is that I I look at these protests, especially when they're extreme, and I think that they're that they are being. Manipulated, whether on purpose or not, by the powers that be to, to get something accomplished in the political environment. The kind of Rahm Emanuel crisis, uh, you know, never let a good crisis go to waste. I think they've taken it to a new level where they actually create crises for that purpose. So I think that's, I personally think that's what's going on, but I know a lot of you, so call if you, if you want to express that, a lot of you think that it's what you see is what you get 404-872-0750 1-800-WSB-TALK you can tweet at me at Monica Perez show this is Monica Perez I am the libertarian voice on WSP Saturdays from three to six and uh, we are talking about this breaking news about what happened in Charlottesville there was a uh, protest a a rally around uh, by a unite the right it's called, um, and it was around the removal of a statue of Robert E. Lee. So this is stuff that's been bubbling up. We've talked about it a lot, the Confederate flag. Um I think there's a lot to this. I think there is a bigger picture policy um, goals at play here. I think flipping the South is something you know, like Ossoff wanted to flip the sixth and turn, uh, a, a Republican district Democrat. I think the entire South is in the crosshairs and the way they're getting to it and the way they're aiming at it is by making it seem that any, so we just listened to Trump and he said, we need to respect our history. And I, I feel like the exact opposite is what's at play here, that, that the history of the South and, uh, The state's rights and kind of um, detachment from the federal government that the Civil War means to some people is a dangerous political idea in this time of like centralizing everything up to the top. But if they can portray, if the left can portray that history as being strictly racist and have no political implications at all, they can eradicate it. And I think that's what it's about. So that's a big idea. I know people have understood or misunderstood some of the things I've said. I, I can't be sure. So you have to call me and help me tease this stuff out. 404-872-0750. 1-800-WSB-TALK. You could tweet at me, at Monica Perez Show. And I'm just curious if you think, you know, what you think it's all about. Is what you see what you get? What are these people, uh, what are they doing? You know, um, are they being manipulated, being used, or is this a genuine grassroots, uh, predictable reaction to the left going too far. I'm going to go to Ron in Canton. Hi, Ron. Thank you for holding. you on with Monica.
5: Hi, Monica. Well, when I first started following what was going on up in Charlottesville, it was through the BBC. And when the left started to, cl- to clash, with whatever splinter group of the right they're representing there that was protesting the removal of the statue, the police stood by and let it happen. This thing was meant to turn into a mess from the very beginning. Okay,
0: Ron, I, I want to go through this with you. That's That has happened before. That happened... Several times before, but specifically in Baltimore, they went out of their way to make sure the thing got big. And I would like to ask you, when did you start watching it on the BBC? When did you start getting this news story?
5: Probably about as soon as it started, about two hours ago.
0: I, I When I got up this morning, I saw an article about it. On the front page of WSB radio, I'm sure it came from, like, Associated Press or whatever. And there was nothing about violence or state of emergency or any of that about it being an unlawful assembly. And I thought, this is kind of funny because there's stuff going on here in Atlanta that I want to talk to
5: y'all about. The thing about Charlottesville, I've lived in the South all my life. I'm 66. If the left wouldn't have showed up at all, those guys would have walked around for a while. Got hot and tired and gone home, and that statue would have been gone. Yeah, there was no need for any of it.
0: But I agree with you that the press was meant to. It was meant to get a lot of press coverage, and I think the press itself signaled that to us by telling us about the protest before it got weird. You know what I'm saying? They cover it. Yeah, like you're right. It, it, how did how did they know it was going to be national news? Before it got weird. Well, this day international I think, news. I, I don't
5: know. I just know the whole thing is unnecessary. And for that kind of uh, mediocre protest thing to draw that much attention is ridiculous.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think there's a bigger oh, picture. Yeah, there's a bigger picture at work here. And I think um, we've been seeing it unfold. It will continue to unfold. I'm going to Dave and Tucker. Hi, Dave. You're on with Monica.
3: Hi, I think it's highly ironic that the protest is over a statue of Robert E. Lee. For those of us who are familiar with what, uh, Robert E. Lee did after the war, uh, he was actually a, a force for, uh, unification and, uh, you know, I won't point out all the details, but I advise people to, you know, pick up a biography of Robert E. Lee and, and see that he was actually a remarkable positive influence overall. And remember, he was offered command of the Union troops before he took command of the Confederate troops.
0: And why did he make that decision? I remember there was a pivotal—it wasn't just strictly loyalty and origin, right? It was—
3: Well, remember back then, there was extremely limited government, and there was a lot more, uh, I should say, provincialism, uh, state loyalty. People didn't travel much. The right. O- so the state o- came o- first. He was not great. Right. Um, that would be a lot of it. Um, so, uh, and after the war, well, he was part of, uh, yeah, you know. That is interesting, Dave, because churches.
0: it it points out that, in his mind, you know, I think that what we're getting at here is that, for him, it, at that time, state came before the country. The state was your country. They were sovereign states. and. And that the Civil War changed that. Somebody pointed out to me once that before the Civil War, it, they used to say the United States are. After the Civil War, they said the United States is. And now they say the United States were. <laughs> but, but the point is that they – that was a time when, you know, the thing that changed was this idea of um, – You know, the the government's the unity, the union was more important than the individual. I mean, that was something that that could be. And I think many people think it is the real turning point for this country. Now, I would say the actual moment, the tipping point, point of no return was really World War One, maybe Hoover, Harding and Coolidge, I think, tried to bring it back. But uh, but I, I feel like the history of it that they're trying to eradicate isn't the history of slavery. It's the history of states rights. Um, but I but I, but I, I also think that what's at play here is the strategy of tension, which will – both sides will look at the federal government to help them out of this. 404 8720 750 one 1-800-WSB-TALK. You can tweet at me, at Monica Perez Show. Monica Perez on
2: News 95.5 and AM 750, WSB.
0: 89, the high today. 72, the low overnight. Uh, we're talking about what's happening in Charlottesville. I'm going to Joseph in Hushton. Hey, Joseph, you're on with Monica. Hey, sweetheart, how you doing? Good, how are you?
6: All right. Well, you know, I can't say excuse me because I don't excuse myself for being a southerner, but, you know, for sweetheart, uh, you're a darling, I tell you. Oh, um, thank when it comes to uh, Lee and Jefferson, actually, uh, you know, Stonewall, um, you know, that was a crisis moment in that period of time that... Almost broke their spirits uh, because you know states were very very um, attuned to you know the, the person that lived there, okay. And um, Lee, um, his, his, you know, he wanted Virginia, and uh, and it broke his heart. He didn't want to go and fight a bloody battle. Yeah, he I thought fight. that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he he did, you know, and and same with uh, Stonewall. Neither one of them wanted to have any part of that part of history, but they were thrust into it. And I'm a member of Sons Confederate Veterans, and um, I was inducted by a a black guy.
0: What year? What year did you join that organization?
6: Um, It was, shoot, what was it? It was 1996.
0: I think it changed. I'm running out of time. I hate this, but I think it changed where it was. Uh, preserving history and then there was kind of a changing of the guard and they started promoting putting the flags up and I feel like that promoted this you know was a setup a little bit yeah not at there. all
6: not, not, no? no, no 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 not at all okay. um it is it, an historical society and um there is no sharpening of knives there is no there's no n-words allowed and, and anybody who does that they are cast out
0: well that uh so I have to go to a break, Joseph. I'm actually going to switch gears after the break and talk about North Korea. You ready for war? Is that you? what? What's the answer here? What's the problem and what's the solution? 404 872 750 wsb talk You can tweet at me at Monica Perez Show.
2: This is your last chance. After this, there is no turning back. You take the blue pill. The story ends. You wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want to believe. You take the red pill, you stay in Wonderland, and I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes.
0: This is Monica Perez, your libertarian voice on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB every Saturday from 3 to 6. We have been talking about what's happening in Charlottesville. It's breaking news, and the president has already addressed it. Uh, a clash between an alt-right group called Unite the Right over the removal of a Robert E. Lee statue met with other protests, and the governor declared a state of emergency, said it was an unlawful assembly. And for me, this brings up a whole host of other issues. I feel like this clash has been promoted by the powers that be to create problems among us, divisions among us, for, for many reasons, or at least several reasons, but the one thing that I'm worried about, uh, one of the things I'm worried about, always the most important thing to me, is our rights. And I feel like the First Amendment, our right to assemble, our right to petition, our right to free speech and the press are all under attack this year. And I have to say, I saw it coming. It was the Fifth Amendment last year. That's, that is still going to be, I think actually the Fifth Amendment's coming maybe next year. The Fourth Amendment was, uh, maybe Obama's. Maybe the First Amendment is Trump's. I don't know, but I worry that as we march towards a more tyrannical or totalitarian society, and I'm not saying, as Trump just said, it's not Trump. It's not Obama. It's not that. It's the, it's the powers beyond them who kind of set the agenda or try to in the entire west western world and i, I feel like uh it, it and i feel like we are not the that our rights our sovereign citizenship is not high on the agenda of the people who want say world government and i think that they orchestrate tensions through the media and through agents provocateur particular people to create problems, and those problems, if they are addressed by the government, often uh, infringe on our rights. So in this case, you're going to say, "What's is the right to assemble absolute, the right to petition absolute, the right to free speech or the press? Is it absolute even if it makes people crazy and makes people do bad things? That's the dividing line. What is the difference between speech and action? And that's what I think... Is in the the forum of public opinion right now. That's what I think these protests, these clashes, are being manipulated or orchestrated or promoted or triggered to uh, to to make that question fall on the side of you've got to have some controls in place. And I think that's the beginning of the end for the First Amendment. Um, but I also think. These, this, what's called the strategy, strategy of tension about creating divisiveness at home is also uh, that war and threats of war, fears of war, is a very powerful tool for the government to use to control. The citizens. As a matter of fact, if any of you have listened to my show for a while, you know that I put a lot of stock in the report from Iron Mountain, which was called a hoax. I, I have, uh, I don't think it was a hoax. It doesn't really matter because it, it lays out very clearly. It was a document produced by the government supposedly in the '60s that really laid out the role of war in society. And what it says is that war is the is the organizing force behind. The modern state this society that it's not that war is is a device to protect society it's it's it is the underlying um it's what keeps society together and and the way they talk about society it's the hierarchy on which they are a top <laughs> so it's for me society could be a whole lot of other things but if these guys only care about preserving power at the top and themselves in that position really as a class as an elite class as the way it's laid out so if you think of it that way and you look at about uh talking about north korea which i think if you if you listen to the kind of little slightly deeper propagandas like john bolton and bill richardson and even rex tillerson came out and said they're not a threat it's not that they're a threat it's that the the feeling of a threat the perception of a threat is important to for the people to remain um Consenting to government. So the inside strategy of tension that's dividing us domestically and this fear of outside trouble all go to reinforce uh, power at the top, promote power at the top. And I feel like you have to look at the stuff that you're being fed from the from the media in that Light and dig a little deeper. So that's what I want to do. Four zero four eight seven two zero seven fifty one eight hundred WSB Talk. You can tweet at me at Monica Perez Show. I am going to go to Jalal in Suwanee. Hi, Jalal. How are you?
7: Hey, how you doing?
0: Good. What's happening?
7: Hey, I mean, every time this uh, they bring up Iran and North Korea and their, their nuclear weapons and all this, you know, it's just you know that it, it just. You know, it's just, you know, there's just lies upon lies because these states got their nuclear technology, you know, under the basically the auspices of the United States government, you know, back during um, Afghanistan, Soviet Union, and uh, the Mujahideen. And, um, you know, we watched, um, you know, that technology go on the market, and then Iran bought it. Uh, Libya bought it and North Korea bought it. And, and you know, so Carter, Reagan, Bush, um, Clinton, Bush, you know, all these guys watched that happen. And, uh, and there's, you know, there's no discussion about that. a July. So now, yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: you can finish and then I want to tell you
7: something. Right, go ahead.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's here's the thing you're touching on something that I have thought of and i actually have in my notes here there's two things i would do we have a trillion dollar a year roughly depending on how you slice that defense budget and that and no matter how you slice it we spend half of all well assuming we have the data but any any source i've ever seen we spend roughly half the defense dollars in the world so i think two things yeah
7: everything we spend more than everybody added together
0: correct so so here's here are my rules then i would say these two rules that nobody whoever sells or takes an order contracts or whatever for any defensive uh material weapon technology anything that is used in the defense of the united states or is is contracted by the government, that company, that technology, all of that stuff stays in the government. You can never sell it as a company. You can't go to sell to other countries. Our government should not allow any country, friend or foe, any access whatsoever to our weaponry. And then the second thing is I would focus our spending – on purely defensive measures, Iron Dome, Star Wars, all that kind of stuff, at a trillion dollars a year, at half the spending in the world. And actually, everybody else's spending would go down because we promote that spending. Sometimes our foreign aid, oftentimes, our foreign aid is in the form of defensive of defense contracts. You don't, like, Egypt never gets the money. We send Egypt's foreign aid to Lockheed Martin, (laughs) I mean, to put it shortly. But that's so, so you see what I'm saying? Like, what you're saying, I think... Is touching on what I'm thinking, which is we're the ones who have these great technologies, these great weapons, and if it weren't for us, they probably wouldn't exist, so we should keep them together, you know, keep them close, and then we wouldn't have worries.
7: Yeah, I mean, you know, and the thing is, is if you, if you know any operators, you know, guys who, you know, whose business it is to, you know, to do this kind of stuff, um, if we don't want uh, Iran or Israel or North Korea or you know to have the, the, the uh, technology then then we should make it go away. Yeah.
0: Oh, I agree with that too. Like, I, or I should say, you know, I was wondering well, about that. I was thinking, this guy's got some firecrackers and oh,
7: you know, no, no, no that's. I mean, it, it's just a you know. I don't know you know what the goal is you know, but you know the the, the threat is like a is like a. Um, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a, you know, it's a, it's a fantasy, it's a ghost, you know. So, and if you and look
0: at the role that North Korea plays in the world, it's not, it's, it's not so much an actual, th- it's not a threat to us in the here and now in a, you know, whatever physical sense, but its existence gives us so much—it gives us personally, and their discussion, their banter with the United States specifically, is really the the most legitimizing argument for us being in Asia, for us having a, a massive military presence in a theater that really should not—that uh, that people like China and Japan or whatever could have an argument against us being there. And I think, actually, that was— The whole point of uh, the Koreas uh, in the first place, that in after World War II, when Japan surrendered, the Soviet Union was in the top half and we were in the bottom half. And if we had gotten out, it would have reunited as a as a communist country, and we didn't want that. We wanted a presence there, and we wanted influence in that region. We couldn't have that, so we used it as an opportunity to try to take the whole thing, is my understanding of it. I mean, I could be wrong, but that's my understanding of it, and I feel like it still plays that role today, and that our being there in South Korea against them allows this to be a U.S.-involved hotspot that maybe... Maybe it's just as simple as our military-industrial complex needs to keep the defense dollars flowing in all corners of the earth. I don't know. That's peeling the onion a little bit. Um, but I'm willing to do that next, 404 872 1-800-WSB-TALK. Or if you want to talk a little bit more about what's happening in Charlottesville, uh, Richard, if you want to hold on, I'll take you next. And I'll read some tweets on, on either subject at Monica Perez Show.
2: Monica Perez on News 95.5 at AM 7:50 WSB
0: Scattered storms tomorrow, high of 89 in the forecast. I'm back and we, we we're talking a little bit about North Korea, but we're also uh the breaking news of today is this uh, protest in Charlottesville. It opens a whole host of topics from where is this divisiveness coming from? Is it justified? Is it orchestrated? Is what you see what you get? Is it designed to increase the power of the state to erode our rights? Uh, There's so many things that come out of these uh, these conflicts. We can talk about that. North Korea, even that, has its uh, the elements of tension that promote the government. I, I'm digging a little deeper today if that's even possible. I always dig deep. But but I, I want to hear what you have to say. 404 one 1-800-WSB-TALK. You can tweet at me, at Monica Perez Show. Richard in Lithonia. Hi, Richard. Thanks for holding. What's happening?
5: Well, you know, originally I called about what happened in Charlotte. You know, the two are actually um, closely related, I guess. You're right. It's all about controlling the population. There were many union generals who are racist and haters too. And they don't ever talk about tearing down those statues and those commemorations because it's easier to elicit a response if you pick a Confederate general. And so
0: they and they know. absolutely have elevated Lincoln to the status of a god. And right. if you look at some of the things he said, it would be highly offensive today. I'm not oh, I'm yeah. not picking on him, well, but yeah. I'm just saying
5: it's, it's all about it's all about dividing the people. Yeah, it so gets stylized. Yeah, and then you look at Korea, and once again, it's... It's about controlling people because they're in fear, and what are they doing? They're looking to the government for protection and for a way of erasing this fear instead of looking at what the government is doing to take control over Yes, it
0: absolutely benefits them. The way we look at Kim and his funny hair and his ridiculous, like, Mm -hmm. weird way of speaking, you know, when the stuff gets translated, it's kooky. If you actually took a step back, and there is a, I was burned by this, it was like a Twitter feed from the fake North Korea, which sounds a lot like the real one, they have the same thing. This leader that says kooky things, who, Mm -hmm. um, you know, kind of pops off, has kind of crazy hair, all that stuff, uh, it does feed into the power of the of the government against the people richard if you want to hold on i'll keep talking to you after the break otherwise um i will move on 404-872-0750 1-800-WSB-TALK you can tweet at me at monica perez show we can talk about uh what's happening in charlottesville what's happening in north korea or like richard was talking about what uh how they both work to strengthen the power at the top this is monica perez This is Monica Perez, the Libertarian voice on WSB Saturdays from three to six, and we are uh, well enmeshed in a conversation about what happened in Charlottesville, and uh, and what happened. If you're just tuning in, this happened today. There's a protest. It was uh, Unite the Right, as an organization that was protesting the Robert E. Lee statue being removed, and. Uh, and it's beyond alt-right, in my opinion. Like, alt-right, I think, got, <laughs> uh, you know, made extreme. I think we had a tweet earlier saying it's now the controlled opposition, which, by the way, made some callers irate. So it, it, I'm happy to have that conversation if you want. But, um, but I am digging a little deeper on this, and I'm saying this is designed to divide us. Uh, I think it's ultimately so much of what we see going on today is designed to reinforce the power of the government to strengthen it, to actually transition us into a society very different from the American experiment where um, we have this enlightenment era uh, and the true enlightenment of the Bill of Rights, for example, that restrains the government and enshrines our uh, our defenses against the government. And I feel like stuff like this is a way to try to get a wedge in there against the First Amendment. And that's why they called it an unlawful assembly. That expression itself, I think, bears scrutiny. What does that mean exactly? But one. But we just heard the breaking news that a car plowed into protesters, killed people, killed somebody and injured protesters uh, from initial reports, protesters on both sides. They don't know who it was. They don't know the motive. And to me, that kind of an event, it just reminds me, I'm not jumping to conclusions, I'm not concluding, I'm just saying it reminds me of something I revealed on the show recently. I did a show on Crimea and Ukraine recently, and in that, I played some clips of the Estonian foreign minister talking to uh, the EU chick, Catherine Ashton, I, actually some kind of foreign I forget her exact title, but he was explaining to her that the protests in Kiev that really launched the civil war were were sparked. The violence was sparked by snipers that killed people on both sides, killed the protesters and the police with the same bullets from the same location. Somebody was there trying to trying to spark violence on both sides. And that I'm not saying that's what happened here. I'm just saying when i see stuff uh you know i always reserve judgment as to as to how deep this stuff really is and in this case this this event was getting some press before uh it started getting crazy this morning and that kind of stuff just is a flag to me but if you want to come down the rabbit hole or Pull me back up out of the rabbit hole if what you see is what you get, in your opinion. I'll go either way. I've got some great calls, but I've got room for more if you want to call 800-WSB-TALK, and we'll do some tweets, too. Uh, I am going to go to, uh, so if you're in hold, on hold, I'm going to go in order. Do a little bit rapid fire if you can uh, get to your point, and then we can get everybody in. I'm going to Mark in Atlanta. Hi, Mark. You're on with Monica.
4: Hey, is this this is Mark.
0: Hi, Mark. Yes, you are on the air with Monica.
4: Okay. Hey, Listen. I'll try to be as brief as I possibly can and say it as fast as I can. But any time that you see something going on, even in like the protests and, it is, and when you see the, the hot spot that we got in North Korea right now, if it wasn't in North Korea, it would be in Iran. If it wasn't in Iran, it would be somewhere off the coast of Iraq somewhere. Why is it that we can spend this much time and give our attention focused on this much time to do these things and in this way what does this do for the United States or is it for the United States is it for some elite group or whatever why why what is ultimate outcome of North Korea why, why are we so
0: concerned with
4: that yeah do you have an answer well of course I do answer my daddy told me always follow the money yes and it's all about all money
0: yep and I think I think there's two I will say this. So you said it's all all about oil. I would say I always think of the military-industrial complex as a triumvirate of finance, which means debt, of defense spending, which means buying bombs, selling bombs, and the oil, the energy, subsidizing the owners of oil, the buyers of oil, the, the big oil companies, subsidizing them by softening up the people, the countries that have the oil by using military and all that to get those uh to get that oil out cheaper than you would otherwise have gotten it out. Or you could even go one step further and say the the guys at the top and the West they have all the money. They don't need it, but they want to make sure nobody else has it. So it's it's exactly almost as right. good to keep it exactly out of other people's right. hands. Yeah.
4: And the military is just a leverage to make certain that it goes their way and they uh, and they can control exactly what they want to happen when it happens.
0: I you know and I talk to I always try to talk to people I meet from different walks of life. I love Uber for that reason. And whenever, when I talk to guys in the service who have come out, they they would not be shocked to hear that interpretation that they are being used and exploited when they oh, go. I,
4: absolutely yeah. not. And, and, I mean, even though that their, their heart is focused and in the right place. Of course. For most part. Yeah. Uh, but see, and, and, and by God, please, don't take our military away from us. But it's still a fact that they're being... Uh, manipulated and and abused in the sense that
0: what they're doing is. And I think that when they get out, a lot of them have their eyes opened, which is why you see every once in a while uh, these stories that make you think that, that they, like, want to disarm vets, that they worry about their mental health. You, you, you know, I notice it every once in a while, and I worry, because those are the guys you want on your side, the guys who have seen it, who are trained, you know what I mean, like if we ever came to civil unrest. Awesome call. Thank you so much, Mark. I'm going to Jim in Fatville. Hi, Jim. You're on with Monica.
8: Hey, Monica. Hey, um, I got two things. One on Charlottesville and real quick on North Korea.
0: That's
8: yeah, fine. I- I realized last night that, you know, all the stuff between, you know, us and them, what we all do is just anytime, let them know that they launch a missile, I don't care, we're going to shoot out of the sky. Of course, yes. And I think that would, like, let them know, let Israel And know here's the thing. Them
0: we can okay. so so part of this is that there's THAD which is like a not I think it's a non I think a lot of the anti missile stuff so it was hard for me to bone up on this stuff in a hurry but Sorry. the the anti missile stuff there are like sh- missiles that shoot other missiles out of the sky and stuff but this THAD thing is more of an I think I believe it's like an electromagnetic I don't know what but there's some in Guam and there's some in South Korea and they are missile defense systems we have when i think about it if you if you look at the trillion dollars a year we spend on defense if we focus that uh, mainly on defense there would be first of all you don't have to worry north korea doesn't have it right now and nobody nobody really argues that they do there was a washington post article that said they were read over the phone an excerpt from a defense intelligence agency report that said we think maybe they've got mini nukes, whatever so right. i'm not worried about that but uh but we but it's in our capability to be totally defend to defend ourselves keep going
8: no that's what i mean Is like you know just Just let them know, hey, you shoot a missile up, we don't care if it's just a test or whatever like that. We're going to take it out. Yeah. And as far as Charlottesville, go, I'm just curious. Why now? Why is this stuff, like, you know, we had the protest and uh, the statue removals back in, uh, you know, New Orleans. Like that. Why now? Like, those things have been there. I mean, the Civil War's been over with for 152 years. Why now? Why in the last eight or ten months since Trump got elected is now all of a sudden – all this statutory doesn't, doesn't is you know, he inappropriate. Have,
0: doesn't he have influence? Like, why Why is the country going that way? But, yeah, well, I would say I really think that if you look at – so Obama said we would have a fundamental – he wanted to fundamentally transform this country. And I, I don't think Obama or Trump are, like, the centers of power in the world at all. I'm, I'm just saying that is what he said. And what I think – I really – I look at this, and I wonder if – whether Trump, I, I doubt Trump has any awareness if this really is a plan. But if, if Obama pulled the pendulum as far as it would go one way, and by snapping it back to Trump, they get, they get a, a violent reaction that gets us back to where Obama or whoever he represents wanted us in this fundamental transformation of the country. And I think I would say this kind of conflict is meant to disconnect the South from its history, not from its history of, slavery or segregation, but from its history of independent thinking. And I know it's hard for people to think that those are two different subjects, but they are. And I think that it's the second thing that's under attack.
8: Yeah, well, I think part of it, too, is that the um, like, well, there's no newscast. Like it's about the alt-right. What was it? alt-left? Alt-left starts it. I mean, they started Oh, yeah. Back in New Orleans. And now, oh. you know, the, the you know right unite or unite the right or like that. That's the reaction through the uh, ongoing onslaught against this, you know, they're taking statues down. What is that? That's from 150 years ago.
0: Yeah, and why make such a, stuff? a big deal out of it? Anyway, thank you so much for the call, Jim. It actually sparks, I think, at the bottom of the hour. I'm going to play for you some stuff that Binkley here, my producer, found that shows the left actually – uh, teaching people how to do this stuff in the in the nicest possible way. It's really kind of funny how cheerfully they tell you how to mess you know, how to go in and disrupt protests and stuff like that. But yes, that, that is they, they talk about the alt right, but it's this it's this um and it's not even alt left, it's the left. It's the it's the mothership. In my opinion, I'll play that at the bottom of the hour, but I want to keep going on the calls. Charles in Duluth, you're on with Monica. Hi Charles.
9: Hey Monica Love your show. I just wanted to say that Ulysses S. Grant was a slave owner. Two wrongs don't make a right. He did buy a slave from his brother-in-law, his wife's family in Missouri. They owned several dozen slaves over on their farm. Two wrongs don't make a right, but uh, Ulysses S. Grant was well, a slave owner. He yeah,
0: pre- it demonstrates that the that the it's not it wasn't as simplistic. The issues were not as simplistic then, and that it really, like, why did these guys go back down to the south to fight? I think it was it was simply this idea that the state was your country.
9: Exactly, Robert E. Robert e Lee's uh, ancestors, the Lees, fought with George Washington to defeat the bully King George the Third and got us independence from England. So, you know, there were 22 million uh, Northerners and five million white Southerners. And they were getting bullied up all over in Congress. And so, Robbie Lee, being a wise uh, and compassionate Christian Southern Virginian, he said, you know, I'm going to go with my, my heart, my, my ancestry, my beliefs, uh, my God, and and support Virginia. And that's
0: well, cool. I. I think that there, the history is complex. You can get really credible books that talk about the economic background, the economic motives, the political motives, the provocations, and really thoughtful books that say really ultimately at its heart, it was about slavery. And I, when it gets like that, I mean, even to this day, like even when I look at the Russia thing, I try to figure out what's really going on. Putin plays into this stuff sometimes. He plays into some things that I think are completely fake propaganda memes. You know, you just, it's, it's what my favorite podcast or one of my favorites, James Corbett says is three dimensional chess. That you, you can't always, it's not always as simple as it looks when you get these sound bites, uh, on TV, especially 150 years later. So, uh, but it's very, again, then, then when you start talking about identity, it gets very emotional. And I think that's why they focus it on identity. I don't really like talking about this stuff because nine out of 10 times people, misunderstand me or project onto me some uh, feelings or um, generalizations that I'm really not making or I don't think I'm making. And then and then it gets emotional, which is why it's so perfect for to spark protests. You know, you just see hate in the other person. Both sides see hate in the other people. And I think that's why it's such a powerful weapon. The power league can use to take away our very most basic rights. All of ours. Not one side or the other. We will all suffer. 404 800-WSB-TALK. If you, Jake, James, uh, you're up next, hang on. You can tweet at me, at Monica Perez Show.
2: Monica Perez on News 95.5 and AM 750. WSB.
0: It is 83 degrees outside the studio. Skies are partly cloudy. I... Uh, have a time for a quick call. Jake and Habersham, give me
2: Hello, what you got. I,
0: Unfortunately, I've only got like a minute. Go.
4: Uh, well, my my point that I want to make, and, and I'd like to get your opinion on this, is the religious statues and monuments that were torn down by ISIS and the religious extremists, um, how is that any different than taking down any statue in rebellion? I mean, how is that any different than taking that away from the public? Of, of any leader, of any person that wants to be memorialized.
0: Well, do you think... I'm going to answer your question after the break because I really do have an opinion on that. Do you do you like the statues of... Uh, you know, what if it's Saddam Hussein? You want to keep that up there?
4: Well, and, and see, that's, that's the point that I want to make. If it is memorialized... Um, who am I to say to take it down?
0: That's an interesting... Because, yes.
4: Because at, at that moment um, in time, it was important.
0: That's very, like, very interesting, Jake. Thank you so much. I'm going to get to that after the break. Um, James, hang on. You're next. He thinks this is meant to get us to hate Trump. Four zero four eight seven two zero seven fifty or at Monica Perez Show.
7: Please take my hand.
10: Now open your mind.
2: Please,
0: open your mind. Open your mind. Open your mind. This is Monica Perez, your libertarian voice, on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB, every Saturday from 3 to 6, talking about breaking news which is what happened today in charlottesville the story uh is continuing to progress there was a protest uh, of a removal of a statue of robert e lee and the organizing force behind that was something called unite the right there were counter protests the government called it an unlawful assembly even though The guy had, uh, Jason Kessler, I think the guy's name was, had uh, a federal judge overturn the state's ruling and give them the permit. So there's that art of ambiguity I've talked about before where both sides can think they're right on this. In the end, the governor called a state of emergency. And after that, weirdly, what's the point of calling a state of emergency if after he did that, a car plowed into the crowd? You know, it's it's kind of strange. We've had some callers who've noticed that it's weird that the cops didn't really step in, didn't stop it from happening. We've seen that before in Baltimore. There's some weird details here on this story. Uh, Before the break, I had uh, a caller, Jake, who pointed out that these that that in the Middle East there have been uh, statues have been brought down of. Controversial figures, maybe Saddam Hussein or whatever, and and who are we to to take these statues down? And I, maybe I'm not putting his question exactly perfectly, but I would just, I just want to address this idea of destroying material, physical reminders of a past. Trump touched on it in his speech earlier. So we need to respect our history. I, when they go into the Middle East and bomb bomb important thousand you know multi thousand year old cultural sites to me the intention is to destroy anything that could be unifying in the community but if you go to germany and there there's like a hitler statue there aren't cuz nobody wants that nobody there is nothing unifying about that i actually think that that was an anomaly in german history that was a result of outside forces Nobody wants that. So, but in this case, people look at these statues, Robert E. Lee, as in, and interpret it from two different perspectives. I personally, as a Yankee, I don't have this, the same kind of uh, feeling, understanding of the cultural history, but I always thought of the South. Uh, I always thought of the state's rights issue. When I saw a Confederate flag, I thought it was a, I didn't think that, that the Yankee, I knew Yankees who had <laughs> Confederate flags. And to me, they thought it was, States' rights, not uh, a racial thing. But when you look at that statute, it has both elements to it. Now people think it symbolizes both things. So I don't. I don't really know personally as a libertarian. I have the answer in that I don't condone. I'm actually an anarcho-capitalist. But even if I were what they call a minarchist, very small government, I would never condone that my tax dollars be spent on erecting a statue in a public place. I would never, ever condone that, no matter what. If it's Picasso or, uh, or a political hero, I don't even like it when they name bridges after politicians. So he takes my money, he lives off it, then we build the bridge with our money, and it gets named after him. It should be called Monica's Bridge. Everybody says should should pick the name out of a hat, you know? Uh, uh, so for me, if you had private property, which I would strictly respect... You could basically put anything you wanted up there. I mean, even if it offended people, stay away. So that's that's my answer, and uh, I am open to your interpretation. I mean, should we have the statues at all? Does it matter? Like, why is this such a big deal? 404 872 750 1-800-WSB-TALK. You can tweet at me, at Monica Perez Show. I'm going to James in Atlanta. James, you are on with Monica.
11: Yeah, Monica. Yes, I want to talk about this being a false flag. But to the caller like Jake, the last caller, I agree with you. If you want to have something about the Confederacy on your private property, by all means do it. But don't spend my money as an African American erecting statues of people. I mean, Monica, can you name me one place in America, inside of America, where there's monument to known traitors of the United States of America? The people you erect in statues, let's get history straight. They were traitors against the Republic. Don't walk well, I see poverty. I think
0: that's where there's a real dispute is that the the United the I would say prior to Civil War prior to Lincoln the idea that secession was a right that the states had was accepted. I think that that's what that's where the dispute came in. That's the whole this thing. Millions Abraham of people Lincoln, died over that question.
11: Abraham Lincoln and the Union was trying to preserve the Constitution. No, Robert E. Lee and the rest of these guys—they were—they 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 were.
0: I don't traded. think so. I think that the Constitution was a voluntary agreement among the states.
11: Yes, but I, I'm saying, you know, like I said, this has no Confederacy monuments has no business being on any public place where people pay taxes.
0: I I don't think any monuments to anyone should be tax funded on public property. I don't believe in hero, hero worship in that way anyway because it's it's a, these heroes are erected as symbols to control how we think about issues. So now you have – maybe there were real political issues, but we've symbolized it all, mm-hmm. and now we can just latch on to our symbol, and, it, and they can use that, manipulate us so easily to pit us against each other over a symbol. Yeah, so it, I'm not just, in favor of it.
11: It's just amazing that in 2017, almost 2018, we having an argument about the Civil War. How ridiculous is that? I mean, people just – you need to get over it, man. I mean, really. <laughs> I mean, seriously. It's 150 going on, but what's
0: keeping years it alive? Ago. What do you think is keeping, keeping it alive?
11: Is people, you know, I hate to say, it, people have their, you know, and when people argue about states' rights, I'm like, states' right to do exactly what? To own slaves? That's the states' right. There was fighting. You, you, you wanted the right to own people as, as, as a piece of property, so you would go to war over it. I mean, let's call it what it is. It was. That's what it was about. And, yeah, and I, mean, I mean, it is just absolutely ridiculous, it is, and, and it offends anything that offends your fellow Americans should be
0: shouldn't shouldn't be yeah, it's, shouldn't be right It's unequivocally wrong and a a moral outrage. But I think that the reason it's kept alive as a political issue is that it has so much political power.
11: It has dividing power, like you say, absolutely. and then they want to put a false flag on Trump to say, hey you know, all this stuff wouldn't be going on if Trump wasn't the president, he's making everybody crazy. But it he's started, started us- under
0: Obama. Yeah. A lot of this stuff started under Obama that this right. I expected Obama to help unite us and I feel like he made it worse.
11: Well I I think he did that to cause on purpose, to cause to cause chaos in the country so the Democrats can be in control. They thought that was gonna be their way to holding on to political power. But I, I just think this is something Everything that goes wrong now is going to be Trump's fault, whether it's North Korea, whether yeah. it's the Civil War, I agree. everything is going to be, it's going to be Trump. Hey, oh, man, you woke up, what? You got a headache this morning? It was Trump's fault. <laughs> you know what I mean? Every, every, everything is Trump because they want to create something. They want to create an atmosphere that everything will go back to normal if we can just get Trump out of office.
0: I got a That's, tweet when Trump came into office. I asked uh, one of my favorite tweets, Dean, I I asked him what uh what he thought the true meaning of the trump presidency was and he thought maybe they let trump get in so they could hang all this stuff on him i think that there's a chance that he was set up for this from the beginning any chance of that um so all right i got time for one more call uh robert in atlanta you're on with monica robert
12: oh i'm sorry uh i I didn't hear my name
0: sorry robert Uh, you're on with monica
12: I I really like your show. I I trend uh, conservative, but you always uh, are so enlightening.
0: Thank um
12: you. the uh you know it's not about the statues that are going up. Now I agree with you that that um uh political heroes etc you know should not go on public property. I, I think that's probably not a good idea. Um but the the statues that are there that are being torn down it seems to me this is not about free speech uh, it's about political vandalism i i do not see statues of uh democrats who oppose civil rights uh being torn down i don't see their their uh, reputations being besmirched after the fact and it reminds me of um major general patrick claiborne uh who was with the army of tennessee uh said that uh, and I'm having to paraphrase here because I'm in the car and don't have it in front of me.
0: Totally but fine. He
12: said, he said um, that uh, if if we do not win this war, I mean, if the Confederacy does not prevail, then the enemy uh, will make villains of our heroes and teach that uh, to their children.
0: And and yeah, that that's, that's actually. Here. Hold on and a second, I, Robert. That's a good point, I, and I and I think that now. Hitler, I do believe, was a creation of outside forces. I do not think he represented. But when you look at uh, – uh, so I can understand, you know, that would not be a good example, but – which is what I touched on earlier. But in England – You see a lot of statues in England of people you never heard of. You don't know because they've been putting statues up for hundreds of years there. But a lot of those people, if England had not uh, remained a huge empire, would be absolutely demonized as colonialists and um, murdering indigenous people and all that stuff. But why are they still uh, still why is the narrative about them still heroic? Because they were part of a history that that is written by the English because they were the victors. They are on top. They didn't have that, that, um, shameful defeat and they, they get to, to keep their myths in place.
12: Fight uh, As, as support for Claiborne's, uh, prophecy, uh, your last caller, anyone who is really a product of public schools, uh, comes out thinking that the civil war was about slavery and equates, slavery with states rights
0: that's the problem now the states rights and slavery thing because if you read the cornerstone speech i was shocked at that it was like the foundation was about slavery because i actually uh, felt that the other factors the economic factors the tariffs and stuff like that were really the the dividing point but it's a complex issue we're not going to solve it now um but I do think that it's kept alive because it's so divisive. You can have two intelligent callers back to back who have absolutely opposite views of the thing. And uh I don't think that the last caller is necessarily a product of pro- public school. I don't think that's the issue. I think that these are different perspectives. Uh And that's why it's so divisive. So Greta in Romania wants to tell us about the statues in her country. I want to hear it in a second. 800-WSB-TALK. You can tweet at me, at Monica Perez Show. 87 degrees, sorry, 83 degrees outside the studio. Today's high 89. Tomorrow's high also 89. This is Monica Perez going to... Greta in Atlanta. Greta, you are on with Monica.
10: Hey, in regard to uh, the listener who said, who are we to destroy those statues? I have a little comment. I grew up in uh, Eastern Europe. I'm Romanian. And all Eastern Europe was populated with statues of Lenin and Stalin. And we were mandated to bow in front of them. As soon as the communists fell, the first thing we did, the population we put those statues down. So maybe when the statue was erected, it might have been represented something, but in time, history changes and the views are changed. So um, with all respect to history and art, I believe sometimes uh, we should put some statues down, <laughs> at least in our perspective. Yeah. it was a breakdown with the communist uh, ties to kill those i mean destroy those statues
0: yeah it's very interesting thank you so much for calling greta uh, it it's a it's an interesting question i mean do you i guess because it was a civil war it's so different and that people uh, still feel that there are divisive issues that we have not resolved but but my bottom line would be Let's get rid of the making heroes out of politicians and uh, war leaders and even just using tax money to do that, to, to make these political levers. Lots of great calls coming up. Stay on hold. If you're on hold, we're going to do some rapid fire after the break. 404 8720 750 800 WSB Talk, or you can tweet at me at Monica Perez Show.
2: Monica Perez on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB.
0: The most fun I have all week is giving away the prize pack. I am your libertarian voice on WSB. Saturdays from 3 to 6, and I try always to give away the weekend prize pack in the 5 o'clock hour. It is a pair of tickets to see Donald Fagan and the Night Flyers on August 16th at Atlanta Symphony Hall. I like Donald Fagan. Well, I liked... Steely Dan That was one of his bands First to call 404-7410-750 Gets that That should be awesome Uh, I want I've got some Great calls I'm going to get to them In just a minute I do have A couple of open lines If you want 800-WSB-TALK But I have a couple of clips that, very short clips that I think are really interesting because we can talk about, I've actually I think made some people mad, which I hate to do, but I always end up doing it that uh, when I look at these protests and counter protests and um, how the police behave, they they hold back let things get out of control, then it's a state of emergency, like that kind of stuff you know, then after it's declared a state of emergency the car plows through the crowd, I mean this kind of thing uh, it It plays into the narrative very, you know, it's almost too cute. I don't know about, I have not dug into this event. I do not know uh, what was behind it. I don't know whose idea it was, if it was meant to end up this way. I think a lot of people do think it was kind of set up to be like this. But Binkley, my trusty producer here, has been keeping his finger on the pulse of what I hate to call, but they call the resistance movement, indivisible these are all like one in the same and they're highly organized they're so well produced they're so um uh orchestrated that you know big money big thinkers big you know people who know what they're doing are behind this that there's nothing grassroots about it as a matter of fact they actually train the grassroots how to create problems at this at these events and we got a taste of that when uh, James O'Keefe came out with the Project Veritas videos that talked about how the guy got fired for it for once it was revealed. But they would they would send a lot of people to a lot of different events. And what he said, quote, scenario it out. And like his goal, I believe, was to get an old lady punched in the face <laughs> like that was one of his goals. So so here's how they do it. Here's a couple of clips. Binkley, what can I think we have two clips here? What uh, – this was from a video – What can you just give me like a one-sentence intro to this?
1: It's instructions on how to disrupt a town hall, and this video or clip that we're about to play instructs people to create conflict, confrontation by not giving up the microphone when their turn is over.
0: So um, it's, it's about town halls and uh, about the town halls when people are – the Congress is at recess. So let's – Let's hear clip 19. Don't give up the mic until you have an answer. If a staffer tries to take the mic, stand up for yourself. Up, 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 I mean, it's a video, right? That's what I was. I wanted to ask you. That came from a video. Yeah. Okay. I did not see the video. So what is it? The chick's telling the instructions and this guy is like pantomiming? Yeah, he's <laughs> acting it out. He
1: actually has a mic stand and he's, you know, sticking his hand away. Yeah. And I've seen people do this in some of these videos, yeah. and it's not as light and fluffy as this commercial makes it out.
0: Right, right. So he's demonstrating how to do it. Yes. And then um, the the next clip is what she she continues to give you different ways of different ways of um, A
1: different different ways to disrupt at the right. at the crowd. And, and this time they're encouraging people to use the mob mentality of the crowd.
0: Okay. So let's hear clip 20. Another tactic, involve the crowd. Ask your fellow constituents to cheer if they want to hear an answer. There is strength in numbers. So the, uh, what she's saying is try to get people worked up. Yeah, that's <laughs> exactly what <laughs> she's know? saying. And she's doing it so lightly and fluffily. But it's – they mean for bad things to happen, and I think yeah. – I don't know if you if you have a clip, a real short clip. Uh, I don't know if that thing was even audio or televised. I don't think we have it. But there was a – why don't you tell me? Wasn't there an event in Georgia this week where somebody did – can you describe that for me in like one second? Yeah,
1: it was Doug Collins Town Hall, and they had a bunch of indivisible people there. He's a congressman. Yeah, using these tactics and – it was chaos, and it wasn't light and fluffy. It was right. Why do you want to kill my family? Stuff like right.
0: that. I heard. I heard. A lo- I didn't see the video, but I heard a longer version of this audio, and they talk about how um, they they talk about wearing the same clothes, making the same signs. They really tell you how how to get it done. And I know that there were handbooks about this kind of stuff during like the color revolutions and. In Ukraine and stuff, and even in Baltimore. So I remember there were flyers in Ukraine of how to like wear a hoodie and not be recognized, and those same things popped up in Baltimore. So these things aren't uh, a joke. I'm gonna I'm gonna go to some calls unless you want to give me a punctuation mark.
1: Well, I'd say the most extreme thing that happened at that event was a girl stood up holding a sign saying "Doug Collins voted to kill me,"
13: <laughs>
1: and then everybody I marched. Did. Out.
0: I think you sent me like a still of that. That's hilarious. Uh, well. It's not hilarious if the guy actually is trying to kill her, but it's hilarious because the guy did not vote vote to kill her. So, anyway. All right. Thank you. Thank you very much for that little uh, comic relief. I am going to the calls. I'm going to Alan in Athens. Alan, you are on with Monica.
14: Yes, Monica. I just wanted to say that uh, both sides of this issue would do well to think that uh, we advise that uh, both sides of the war were financed by pretty much the same banks and leaders at the very top of both sides were members of secret societies. Well, the uh, war and its outcome uh, was a foregone conclusion decades before it ever started. I just would like to put that out there. I
0: want – don't hang up, Alan, because that's the kind of what I call deep history that I like to uh, – dig into and i've touched on it with the civil war but i've never really felt like i i knew what direction to go in i i heard things about russia on one side uh, other european countries england can you in a nutshell tell me what you think who was on which side can you give it real short so people can understand it what you think was really happening?
14: yes ma'am there was a comment made by benjamin disraeli uh, i think in 1847 that uh, said, hey, basically, in a nutshell, we're just going to whip up fervor on both sides and just basically bring everything to a head.
0: So he was the—let me just say, he was the prime minister of England at the time, correct? Mm-hmm. And he—so so was this like the Revolutionary War, Part three, and they won?
14: Uh, well, basically, you know, our, the, our southern ancestors, way back when, you know, uh, basically would not give way on the uh, issue of slavery when the republic was first founded. So that had to be put off till later, and of course. Oh no,
0: Alan! I actually thought the British wouldn't allow it because they, for political reasons, had to get rid of it there. Yeah, but which, the banks and is, the which, shipping.
14: This was once independence was gained, though. You know. It, it I don't was, uh, know. I so think the British agreed. still
0: had influence over it.
14: I don't know. I have to look into okay, that. Okay, give me another One sentence. One more sentence. And said it's a fire bell in the night. It's going to be an issue that's going to crop up again.
0: All right. Uh. So. Okay, so it sounds like it was uh, in part a foreign plot. But I'll tell you, if you have one book that you can recommend that I read, Alan, that would help illuminate this, I would love that.
14: Well, there's a book called uh, The South Under Siege by Frank Connor, and uh, if you look at it online, you can you can find it. Uh, it's, it's pretty informative.
0: All right, I'll look into it. Sometimes, a lot of times, stuff like that. Um, Alan, thank you for the call. I like different ideas. Binkley, have you heard of that book? I have not. You have not. Okay. So I know nothing about that book. So I – a lot of times people recommend books like that. But if there is a deeper history, I would say there's usually more books out there that reflect disinformation, that try to mess up the deeper history so you can never get to it. So I, Alan, I really appreciate the recommendation. I will have to vet it before I'm – that before I recommend it myself, but I appreciate the name of it. Thank you so much. I'm going to go to uh, Peggy in Athens. Peggy, you are on with Monica. Hey, Monica.
13: You know, I agree with you wholeheartedly. You know, taxpayer money being spent on statues and things like that, that's ridiculous. But a caller that you had about four back, the gentleman said, you know, everything from the Civil War needs to be gone. And he made the comment, Anything that offends anybody should be taken down.
0: I thought he said and, that offends Americans. Well, basically offends anybody. Yeah, okay. You know, offends yeah. Americans.
13: And that's the problem. Everybody is offended by everything. And and that's an erosion, obviously, of the First Amendment. Um, you know, and, and let me let me offend the feminists. You know, man up, and if you don't like something, don't watch it, don't go look at it, don't listen to it. You know, everybody's offended by everything. And when you made the comment to him that the, the divide was really stoked the beginning of it, of where we are now by Obama, you know, it makes me think, all these statues being taken down, who, who's paying the people to do that? You know, just like the Soros people or whoever you know, paid people to protest in Ferguson and Baltimore and things like that. They are playing everybody. They are dividing everybody.
0: Yeah, it's actually, by taking this action, it is quite divisive. And I would just say, insert my libertarianism here, I wouldn't pay tax money to put it up. I wouldn't pay tax money to put it down. You don't need to make uh, 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 social statements at the government level. That's not what it's for. And I, But that is what the government is used to manipulate us socially and culturally. That's what it's there that you, people don't realize because you think that the Constitution, the Bill of Rights defines Declaration of Independence defines the operational paradigm, if you will, the basic um, structure, the scaffolding of this country. But it's really gotten to the point where it's a it's a social it we're being manipulated socially for the interests of the people at the top. And this plays into it. But you can take But the fact that it's all on public land is what makes it. You know, you uh, do away with it. Yeah, take up a collection if you want to get rid of it. It's on public land. If it offends people, I don't I don't think we should have put it up with public money. It's just like segregation. It's, there should not be a law uh, that you can have tax-funded schools and have them segregated or that a private count, uh, soda fountain should be forced to segregate in public places. There's no place for that stuff. Privately, as a libertarian, I I can't force people to not do those things, but— I I I don't like it. And if you're if in, in a free society where they didn't waste money on this stuff, it wouldn't be divisive. Did I throw you Let off ask, there? <laughs> can it. I ask you a question? Uh-oh. Yeah. Uh-oh. Um, Okay. I
13: wholeheartedly believe in, you know, NWO, that kind of thing. You know, the people that want to promote the one world government. And, of course, you know, it sounds warm and fuzzy when they explain it to everybody, but they're the ones in power and we're not. How do you – how do we – How do we break that? How do we get out from under that? How do we
0: stop them? Dude, Peggy, I'm so trying to figure that out like every day, all day long. I'm actually I feel like just having these conversations on the air with a lot of people like you is I'm trying to figure out like the true nature of the power structure and how to get because I think their ultimate goal it starts with population reduction, like real. That's what I, I'm afraid of with wars. Oh, sure. like the purpose is population reduction because that's how they can keep the power. They can't keep the power with that. So it's a real problem in real time. And the most as far as I've gotten as what the answer is, is to try to keep it uh, to to try to vet it and get people thinking about it because they spend so much effort on the propaganda. I have to believe our minds are what they need, our consent. They really need it. So if we keep talking to each other and have a little bit of courage and do our own research, I feel like that has to be the first step. Thank you very much for the call. Wrap it up after the break. Uh, This is Monica Perez.
2: Monica Perez on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB.
0: 87 degrees forecast for Monday with a 60% chance of rain, but that could change. So stay tuned to WSB for weekend weather brought to you by Shoemate Heating and Air. And we do not have a lot of time, so I'm sorry to say. No more calls, but it has been quite a lively conversation. I didn't expect that when I woke up this morning. These um, This story is so... Just even talking about it is quite divisive, I think. I think people got their short hairs up thinking about this. So um, we could probably talk about it for another three hours, but we don't have that time. We do continue this conversation during the week, though. You can uh, tweet with me at Monica Perez Show. I always I try to answer every tweet. And Binkley, they can get our podcast how? They
1: can go to PropagandaReportDaily.com and click on the Apple or the Google button on the right side.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much. We'll be back next week, Saturday, 3 to 6. This is Monica Perez.